0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Whoo. So as I've been... As I've been preparing this, I, um, it's just been a heavy weight on me all week. And um, I'm like, Lord, you know, what do you want me to speak about? And so he just downloaded so much stuff that I was like, how am I going to fit this all in? But, you know, he's faithful. So um, I just want to thank you all for being here. And I'm so grateful I get to speak to you guys today. And um, so, uh, who wants to walk in freedom and abundant life? Yeah. I was hoping. I was hoping you guys would say that. So, uh, I'm just going to start off with uh, some wonderful scriptures. And in Galatians 5, you know, a life of freedom, it says, Let me be clear. The Anointed One has set us free, not partially, partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into bond into the bondage of the past. So there's a, there's a fight to stay free. You know, we have to stubbornly resist going back into the bondage of the past. And we have to realize that He hasn't partially set us free. He's completely and wonderfully set us free. I mean, how fantastic is that, you know? So in Galatians 5, verse 13, it says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another expressing love in all we do. So when we're free, we're able to serve and we're able to love one another as Christ has loved us. Uh, When we're in bondage, it's really hard to love like, like the Lord loves So, um, there's just so much scripture. So, just get ready, because here we go. So, um, in also Galatians, um, I'm going to read from Galatians 5 16 through 25. All the passages I'm reading is out of the uh, Passion Translation. I, I really enjoy this translation. So, it's the Holy Spirit, our victor, our victory. So it says, let me emphasize this, as you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When the, your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense craving hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. But when you yield to the life of the spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. It's sexual immorality lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behaviors. So haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? So it's really important that we don't operate under those things that I've read because, you know, we won't inherit the, the the kingdom of God but we operate we walk in the spirit and we have the fruit of the spirit so let me read that but this fruit of the spirit produced by the holy spirit within you is divine love in all its variety expressions joy that overflows peace that subdues patience that endures kindness in action a life full of virtue faith that prevails gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. And never let the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced the crucifixion. For everything connected with our old self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. So if the spirit is the source of our life, we must also allow the spirit to direct every aspect of our life. It's so important that we walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it's, um, there's just so many scriptures. First um, Corinthians 15, 30, uh, 31 says we must die daily. Paul was talking, we must die daily. That's, It's not like, oh, I died, I was crucified with Christ, I'm good now. No, he talked about dying daily, walking in the spirit and dying daily to the flesh. So in Romans 6.11, it talks about being dead to sin. So it says, since we are now joined with him, we must continually view yourselves as dead, unresponsive to sin's appeal, while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Think about when you're dead, you can't get offended. You can't get angry. You, you know, there's just so many things. When you're dead, you're, you're dead. I mean, it says you're, you, you're dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal unresponsive to sin's appeal, because you're dead to it. And then Romans 8.13 says, this is dying to the flesh. It says, for when you live continually by the flesh, you are about to die. But if you live the life of the spirit that puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, and then we taste abundant life. That's how we taste abundant life, when we die to the flesh. Galatians 2.20 is dying to self. We're going to be dying a lot, okay? This is, we're all going to be dead by the time we get through with this. And we just keep on dying every day. So my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. That is so, so, so incredible. He loved us so much that he gave himself for us but we are co-crucified with him so we, we don't have to live we don't have to live like the world does we can live in christ in freedom and the abundant life so we must die to ourselves our rights our own desires to be our own boss we must die daily And sin, the flesh, and the world will continually vie for our attention and demand our participation. But we must die daily. We consider ourselves unable to respond to these temptations. He has not tempted us to sin because he is dead to everything around him. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is good news to live in freedom and abundant life. So Romans 6, uh, 6 through 7 says, Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the strongholds of sin within us, so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitting to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. So that's, he's, we're co-crucified. He's dismantled the stronghold of sin. So everybody, there's no sin that he hasn't dismantled. And he hasn't taken care of. There is nothing in any of our lives that he hasn't dismantled and paid for so we can walk in freedom and abundant life. So Ephesians 22 through 32 says, let go of your old self, the flesh which is corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring for, from delusions. Let's not be delusional, okay? On, amen. The, the, the truth is not delusional. <laughs> I know out there in the world, a lot of people think the truth is delusional. You know, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to believe my truth. No, there's one truth. His name is Jesus Christ. Yes. He's the only truth. He's the only way. And so it's not, well, I'm just going to embrace my truth. Well, okay, if you want to live in bondage, embrace your truth. But if you want to live in freedom, embrace Jesus Christ. Amen. So be transformed and embrace the glorious new life, which is Christ within us. That is so exciting to me. As I was writing all these scriptures down, I mean, I, I wanted to just jump up and run around the house and scream because I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Glorious. We live in a glorious new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have to live in heaviness and sadness. And yes, we go through those things, but we don't have to stay there. When he talks about we walk through the shadow of the, the valley of the shadow of death, we walk through it. He didn't say we camp there or, hey, put up a tent or build a building. He said we True, we walk through. So I'm not saying we're not going to have hard times, because let's face it, we're in this world. And you know, He said, "You will have tribulations," but He also said, "Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." So even though we walk in these these uh, trials and tribulations, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. So He says, "Don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin." Don't let anger control you. Never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth. Instead, let your words be beautiful gifts that encourage others. That is my heart all day long, is I want my words to always be beautiful and encourage others. You know, I'll just tell you a little story about when I grew up, I my dad unfortunately he, he didn't know the lord and he would speak very ugly and speak very very mean things to us and i i guess i made a vow that i would never say i would never say bad things to people even when people make me really angry i would just walk away and and because i know that like once you say those bad things they're out there and you and and you can apologize all day long but they're there and so i just i guess the lord has really helped me to just really watch every word that comes out of my mouth do i do perfectly no i don't but i really try to encourage everybody with beautiful words and i try not to say things that would hurt people uh, intentionally. Um, the other day I was at Walmart and the Lord just said, I want you to go. One of the workers was there and she's an older lady and she was putting the stuff in the, you know, uh, the boxes away and all that. And I want you to go encourage her. So here I am and I walked up. To her, she had her name tag on. I said, Gail, I just want to thank you for everything you do here. I want to thank you for working so hard and putting all this stuff out. I appreciate you. And she looked at me like, who is this freak? (laughs) But I don't care. I'm a freak for God. You know, I don't care. I was like, you know, I knew it blessed her. I mean, it shocked her, but I knew in the long run it blessed her. And I just wanted to encourage her that today I just want to just Encourage people with beautiful words. So let's let let beautiful words come from our mouth and to encourage others. So in that, we need to lay aside bitter words and temper tantrums and revenge and profanity and insults. Instead, be kind and affectionate towards one another. In Ephesians 5, it says, Be imitators of God in everything you do. Continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. His love is so, like dinner, about his love is so extravagant. My heart for a long time is, I've asked the Lord, Lord, I just want to, I want to know your love, not just for me, but I want to know your love for others. I want to walk in that love. And I want people to be transformed by your love. And I know his love has so transformed my life, you know, and I still get revelation more and more every day of his love. But I'm just so so grateful for his extravagant love. So just to let you know, being... Being offended is a symptom of immature love. Mature love will stay away from making assumptions. Is that, you know, could, do we, don't we get in trouble when we make assumptions? Yeah. You know, kind of when we think, well, I, I know what they're thinking. Bless my husband's heart, I always have to tell him, I'm pretty sure you're not a mind reader. So I'm pretty sure you don't know what I'm thinking. So let's not assume if you want to know, ask me, but don't assume because you know, you know the saying, and I won't say it, but you know the saying. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, and holding a grudge doesn't make you strong, it makes you bitter. Forgiveness doesn't make you weak, it sets you free. So let's not hold grudges, you know? I mean, let's face it, you know, sometimes people can really get on your last nerve. And I always kid, in MIT, we were always kidding about me wanting to throat punch people. But (laughs) I wouldn't do that. The Lord would be like, no, that's not not acceptable here. So anyways, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to don't hold on to that grudge. Just let it go. Because you don't want that root of bitterness growing up inside you. Because that root of bitterness only defi- doesn't only defile you, it defiles everyone around you. So please, whatever you do, if you have some bitterness towards somebody, if somebody's wronged you, please forgive them. That doesn't mean that you forget what they've done. I think sometimes people think it's like, oh, well, they're just going to get off because, you know. No, you're the one that gets set free. And then in turn, they do get set free. And you know what? It's between them and the Lord. So just give them to the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive them. I choose to forgive them. It's a choice. You have to choose to forgive. And, you know, I'll have to say that A long time ago, my first church that I was in, I was very wounded by the the pastor. And uh, I had to, I I think, I don't know, I think I kept asking for forgiveness like 10 years. I mean, because every time I would think of him, something would come up, oh, I I haven't totally forgiven him. Because if you've totally forgiven, again, you're dead. So you don't feel anything. But I knew as I'd feel stuff, I'd, okay, Lord, please forgive me, help me. I choose to forgive him. I, I bless him. I, you know, I ask you to bless his life and I pray for him. And, you know, we did this for a long time till finally one day I just, I saw him and there was, I just, I actually had this love for him. I actually really, like my heart saddened because he's not walking in his calling now. And my heart was really hurt. And I, you know, I just really, it, it grieved my spirit. And so I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. I mean, I think I finally gotten to the, (laughs) I finally gotten to the forgiveness part there. Thank you, Jesus. So we're back to dead people again. So dead people, they don't complain. They don't blame others. Hey, how about this one? They don't have self, negative self-talk. You know, we'll kind of always think it's outside, right? Sometimes it's here. Sometimes we're talking negative about ourselves. God, God didn't talk negative about us. We're in Christ. He didn't talk negative. And let's not dwell in our past. I'm sure we've, I'm sure if we all took Survey, we could all tell some pretty gnarly stories about our past. Some of us more than others. Some, and wow, I'm like, whoo, Lord Jesus, I had it easy. Thank (laughs) you. So uh, let's just not dwell on the past and let's not resist change. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times I know it's easy to just get comfortable and stay in a place, because it's comfortable. Change is kind of scary, because you don't know what's going to happen. But let's not stay there. And let's not need approvals from others. You know, I know that a lot of times, you know, if we haven't gotten a lot of approval in our lives, we tend to want approval from others. So we people please, or you know, we have the fear of man and we don't, you know, we don't do what God wants us to do. And, and we try to, you know, just, you know, not make any, you know, just the fear of man. You know, that's all I'm going to say with that. And then let's not doubt God's plan for our lives because he's got great. I mean, I don't even think we understand the great plan that God has for each and every one of us. I think if he showed us, we probably just flop down on the floor and (laughs) croak right there. I'm dead. He wants you to be dead, but still alive in him. (laughs) He doesn't want you to be dead, dead. He wants you to be dead and alive in him. So, in Peter, we in MIT, we read um, this book by Peter Peter Sciasero, "Emotionally Healthy Leadership." And in that, he talks about facing our shadow. So let me explain what what a shadow is. Your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts that, while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape our behaviors. It is the hidden version of who we are. So here's some various forms of, of our shadows. Sinful behaviors. Judgmental perfectionism, outburst of anger, jealousy, resentment, lust, greed, bitterness, a need to rescue others and be liked by people, a need to be noticed, an ability to stop work, like being a workaholic, a tendency towards isolation or rigidity. Now, that tendency towards isolation, I'm... I'm pretty famous for that one. The Lord's had to really deal with me on that. Um, my friend calls me Jonah because when the Lord gives me an assignment, I'm like, hmm, I think i got to go to Nineveh. No, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I think I'm going to go over to, on the other side. And he's like, nope. And so thank goodness for Chris because Chris has got my number he's got it on speed dial. Matter of fact, <laughs> my friend, my friend Trilby, this is, this is my friend Trilby who calls me Jonas. She goes, Ooh, your pastor has got your number. And I said, Oh, I know. I, I know. Trust me. I know. Bless his heart. I'm so thankful for him. Chris, if when you see this, I'm so grateful for you in my life, because let me tell you, you have a uh, just hung on to me when I wanted to spaz out and run off. So the aspects of your shadow may be sinful, but they may also be weakness or wounds in our soul. They tend to appear in ways we try to protect ourselves from feeling vulnerable or exposed. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell you a little little story. I used to always have these dreams uh, about... Being naked, and they just bothered me because I'd be in public and I'd, I'd be naked. I be like, ah, ah. and then I realized that that was I was I was vulnerable and I was exposed and I was afraid of it. But it's okay to be vulnerable and exposed, you know, before the Lord. But I was just so, you know, I just, I mean, I'd have these dreams all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the matter with me? But, you know, the Lord was just dealing with some areas that I didn't want to be vulnerable and I didn't want to expose them. But, you know, when you're not vulnerable and you don't expose them, you don't get set free. Unless you bring stuff to the light stays in the darkness and it keeps, it keeps, uh, it's like a mushroom, it keeps growing because of the darkness, the fungus. Mm -hmm. But when you bring that to the light, that fungus dies and you're able to live in freedom and walk in freedom and the abundant life. So here are some examples of your shadow. Uh, when you act out inappropriately under pressure, don't we all sometimes you know when we get uh, pressure, we're like, "Ooh, you don't want someone to succeed because they hurt you. E, that's a ouch. You say things that you later regret. You keep doing the same things over and over again, even though the consequences remain negative. You ever notice those sometimes those patterns in your life that you keep going over and over and over again? You are angry, you're jealous and envious a lot. You do and say things out of fear. You say and do things out of fear of what people think. You get busier rather than more reflective. How many of us just get really busy? because then we don't have to think about it. But sometimes God, the the Lord told me, he says, I want you to sit in your pain. I want you to sit in your pain, and I want you to let it have its full impact in your life so I can remove it for good. Because when you're busy and you just keep putting the Band-Aid on, that doesn't take care of the problem. A lot of us are walking around with deep, deep wounds in our lives, and instead of we just put a little Band-Aid on, oh, I'll be okay, I'm, I'll be okay, no problem, that didn't hurt that bad, I'll be all right. Instead of really saying, okay, God, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to let you put the comb or that, remember the spray, the Bactine? teen? Yeah spray or whatever and your mom would go come here I want to spray that on you and you'd be like no that hurts no and you'd like hold your wound and she goes it's good for you now give me your hand so yeah so God wants to spray us with a little bit of uh yeah you know, that, that stuff that kills the bacteria so um Let's see where we're at here, and then, okay, so you make negative comments to others about those who frustrate you rather than going to them directly. That's uh, that's gossip, just to let y'all know, and the Lord don't like it. So if we have a problem with one another, let's go talk to them. Let's understand where they came from. A lot of times it's just a misunderstanding. So let's just go to them, and let's talk to them and say, hey, you know, when you said this, I felt this way. And is that what you meant, or what's that? Uh, I can't remember what Peter Thero said, but it was there was a good one. Do you remember that, Annalee? I can't remember, but anyways, it was really good about that. So, uh, so to the d- to the degree w- which we ignore our shadow is to d- the degree in which our loving service to others is limited. So breaking your shadow's hidden power, here's what you do. You expose your shadow to the light of Jesus is the first and most important step that we take. Like I was talking about, get get that stuff out and get it to the light. There are really only two options when it comes to your shadow. We can ignore it until we hit a wall with pain so great we have no choice but to face up to it. Or we can be proactive, courageously looking at the factors that contribute to its formation. I'll tell you a little story about how I ignored something and I finally hit a wall. It was my weight. I've struggled with my weight my whole life. Not my whole life, I guess. I was born underweight, so (laughs) not my whole life. But when I hit puberty, I'll say... I've had a problem with my weight. And um, I knew that I needed to take care of it. I knew that my, you know, but you're younger and it doesn't bother your health and you're, you know, whatever. And finally last June, I got diagnosed with diabetes. So that was a wake-up call. And the Lord was like, okay, there's the wall. You know, time, let's let's face this. So I... I was just like, okay, Lord, what is what's the root? What's the root here? Why am I m- medicating myself with food? Why am I using that as a you know to to help relieve myself of the pain? And He spoke to me, and and it was just basically what for me it was a lack of trust, trust that He would that He had my best interest uh, because. In my life, I had to take care of myself my whole life and make sure that I took care of myself. And, the, and I, So I didn't trust, didn't trust anybody, and I didn't really trust the Lord. I said I trusted the Lord, but I leaned a lot on my own understanding. So he just was like, you. So I was like, oh, Lord. So I, re- I repented, and I asked him to forgive me. And, of course, he's so gracious, and he does. But I just said, "Lord, forgive me for," and then I asked my body to forgive me for abusing it uh, for all these years. And so, um, as to date, I've lost 85 pounds, (laughs) and it's because the Lord, um, the Lord has given me grace to walk this out and the power. It's not my great willpower or anything. He's healed a wound where I don't feel like I need to go to that. Now, do I have, I'll have times, so I'm going to be honest, I'll have times where i like, ooh, a pan, a whole pan of chocolate brownie. You know, really looks good, yum. But then the Lord says, yeah, you, you come to me come to me because really in the end that doesn't satisfy you and you know it doesn't so come to me so that's really what what we need to do so let's uh let's be proactive and courageously look at the factors that contribute to the formation of our shadows so let's really get get before the lord i i think really it's really good practice to daily just get before the lord and i mean literally sometimes i just lay on the floor i just lay out on the floor and i'm like god here i am just whatever you want you know whatever you need to do speak to my heart touch my heart if there's areas show them to me i love da- king david i love how he said Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. That should be our prayer every day. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. So nothing comes out of our mouth that defiles others or ourselves. And we always honor the Lord Jesus Christ with every word and every deed that we do. That is just so important. The world is looking for true believers that walk the talk. I think they're really they're really tired of hearing us say words that are empty. Let's let's say let's talk the talk and walk the walk because that's what they're looking for. And that's when we, we're salt and light. If if our if we don't back up our words with actions, they're just words and they become empty. So let's start backing up our words with actions. So here's um, Romans 12, 10, 1, 2. It's the transforming power of the gospel. I love Romans. Well, I love the whole word of God. I do. I I was like, can I just put more scripture in there? Lord says, we're not going to be here for three days, okay? (laughs) Just got a little time, okay? So calm down. There's just so much. It's just like, oh. So the transforming power of the gospel. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. That is what I want, is that beautiful life that's satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So let's be living sacrifices on the altar of God. Romans 12, 9 and, uh, Romans twelve nine through 12 is, let the inner motives of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourself in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keep your passion toward Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit And let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing continual joy. Don't give up in times of trouble, but commune with God at all times. That is so important, to commune with him at all times. I love Brother Lawrence, if you've ever... It's this little booklet, and he was a monk back in the 15th or 16th century or whatever. And he was a cook, and he was kind of a little bit, you know, like, perturbed because all the other monks, they would go and pray, and he'd be back there peeling his potatoes, you know. And the Lord taught him to practice the presence of the Lord no matter what he did. And I think that's the thing. If we can practice His presence in at our our work, our work job, you know, our job, as we drive to work, as we drive home from work, as we're preparing a meal, as we're doing our laundry, our housework, always be before the Lord. Always walk in His presence. Always walk in the Spirit. I tell you, it's it. it It'll change your life, and I know it'll change everybody else's around you because they will feel. They will feel his presence on your life. So I want to talk about 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, God's generous grace. And grace is is the empowerment to do what he's called you to do. So this is God's generous grace. Grace. Everything we need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. The Lord is so good. He's so good. As a result of this he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that the power of these tremendous promises we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have been by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of the world we get to partner with god We get to partner with him in his divine nature. How incredibly precious that is. And then when we partner with him, we're not going to be affected by the corrupt desires of the world. We're not going to be drawn towards them. They will have no pull, again, because you're dead. Remember, dead people can't have any pulls. So Ephesians 3, we are filled with the fullness of God. When when I think about that, the fullness of God. Wow. Wow. The universe itself is Him. And we're filled with the fullness of God. How does that happen? That's mind-blowing. I mean, I go. We're filled with the fullness, and you contain everything. Hey, yay, yay. It's awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. So God is holy, so that we can entertain offense, criticism, judgment, lust, anger, division, strife, gossip, and the like. In Isaiah 58, it says, banish, uh, it says to banish every form of oppression, Scornful accusation and vicious slander. Accusations and slanders are the, are the devil's language. Yeah. and we should not be speaking his language. Yeah. We should never speak his language. We should always speak the language of God. And uh, I remember uh, I, I'm age myself here, but Flip Wilson, I don't know if any of you all guys remember Flip Wilson. And he'd dress up as Geraldine, and he'd be like, the devil made me do it. And uh, as I was thinking of him, the Lord said, yeah, the devil, no, no. It's it's really, it's your flesh. The devil, you know, gets a lot of credit, and he's a defeated foe. We have to remember that. So he gets a lot of credit for a lot of things that really just is our flesh. That has not been crucified with Christ. So let's let's not give him any more credit, and let's not let's not use his language of accusation. In slander, it's not good. So God has chosen us for wholeness; He set us apart to be holy. Second Thessalonians two thirteen says He He has chosen chosen you from the beginning for salvation through the Spirit who sets you apart for holiness. We are justified, so we're made right in the sight of God. We are sanctified, so we're set apart or declared holy, and we are glorified, which means we are made glorious. So let me tell you the biggest hindrances to walk in freedom and abundant life are not the devil, like I said, it's not the devil, it's ourself. So, James 4 7 says, So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee in agony. I love that. So, when we resist him, he actually flees in agony. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So, submission, surrender to God's authority brings freedom, it sets in order and direction in our everyday lives for those found in Christ. And what is to follow is unimaginable blessings for those who are obedient. So let me recap here. So first of all, we want to walk in the Spirit. Second of all, we want to die to self, be crucified with Christ. Third, we want to face our shadow. And four, we want to remember, we have everything for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. So, if you would like to walk in freedom and have abundant life that Christ has provided for us, I invite you all to come forward for prayer. So please, come forward for prayer, and I'll be happy to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media@hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.